Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We're going to continue the message series for the sake of the world. And what we've talked about thus far, you're new to the series, is uh, who is the gospel? We defined for us that Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. And then last week, we talked about in a kind of two-part mini-series within the larger series, we uh, sort of got at the question of what, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And we sort of are seeing these two weeks, last Sunday and this Sunday, as uh, two sides of the same coin in defining the gospel. So what is the gospel? What are we saved from? was last week, and this week is what are we saved to, or you could call it death and resurrection, Good Friday and Easter. And uh, right off the top, I just, you know, wanted to explain the hope in today is that we would define the good news within the framework of Jesus' resurrection. And all I want to do is simply offer a few scriptures for you and to help us as a community understand the connection between Jesus' own resurrection from the grave, our resurrection from the grave, and the hope then that we carry for those who don't know or follow Jesus yet. So that's the hope today, is to make that connection between those two things, the resurrection of Jesus, our own resurrection from the graves, and then the hope that we carry inside of our chests as followers of Jesus for the sake of the world. And first, I just want to get said that resurrection is a person as well. It's not, just, it's not a thing that happens, but resurrection is a person. At his friend's uh, funeral, at Lazarus' funeral, Jesus proclaims to the people who are onlookers that he is the resurrection in the life. Jesus said of himself, I am the resurrection in the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet will he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you, and then he asked, do you believe this? In Acts, we read that this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Don't you love that? It's impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus, and thus we follow in the way of Jesus. It's impossible for death to keep its hold on you and I this morning if we claim him as Lord. He conquered death. He did it. This old Pentecostal um, preacher, Smith Wigglesworth, said this about Jesus. He said, Know that you are from the dead, quickened by the Spirit, made like unto Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, the word resurrection. I wish I could say it just on parallel lines with the word Jesus. They very harmoniously go together. Jesus is resurrection. And to know Jesus in this resurrection power is simply to see that you have no more to be dead, but alive unto God by the Spirit. And so there's three questions that I wanted to propose to us this morning. And the first one is, wait, I'll live forever? The second one is, wait, I'll express forever now? 
And the third and final question is, wait a second, I carry forever in my heart for the sake of other people? And so we're going to get at those three questions from this uh, foundational understanding of what the gospel is. There's so many different ideas about what people think the good news or the gospel is. And I think we've got a really great definition here in 1 Corinthians 15. And it's pretty much the bedrock of Scripture by which we're forming the whole series. That Vineyard Cleveland, we would be a people uh, that are um, focused, uh, laser focused on the person of Jesus and what he, uh, who he is, who he was, and what he accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. It's, it's a reality. It's, it's, a, it's a fact though we don't always experience that, it, that all things rise. This, this is the nature of how God is redeeming or buying back or purchasing men and women to himself, that all things rise. Jesus talked that a seed uh, will, will go down and die so that uh, new life will burst through the surface of the earth. And that's in fact, he was talking about himself. All things rise. All things will be redeemed. All things will rise in the name of Jesus. That's what will happen. One day, you and I and those who claim Jesus will rise out of the grave. Because Jesus conquered death. He did it. He was the first to die Stone cold dead in the tomb, six feet under, and then come back to tell us what awaits us on the other side. He conquered death as the last enemy, the last foe, the last thing that haunts us. We're so uncomfortable with death. We sweep it under the rug. We don't want to think about our own mortality. We don't want to think about our own death. We said that that happens to other people, the people who are older, but that will never happen to me. If you're younger, you say that. It's coming for you. It's coming for me. It's the last enemy. And Jesus, by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, proved that death does not have the final say over you and me. That love wins, that life wins, and through the resurrection of Jesus, all things rise. The scriptures are clear over and over. They remind us over and over again of our mortality and that one day all things must rise. It's like Jesus started this domino effect. He was the first domino to fall in the greatest procession towards life and eternity of divine relationship reconciled, a union between creator and created. And so that begs the question, wait, my, my daughter, this is her question, wait, what? She's always asking, wait, what? This is, a, this is a Gen Z thing for you parents of Gen Zers. You know, this is a common question amongst Gen Z kids. Wait, what? Wait, what? 
Sarah and I are always like, Winnie, pay attention the first time. Listen, listen. We love the question, wait, what? Wait, you're telling me I'll live forever. Sometimes it's easy, followers of Jesus, to think, oh yeah, Jesus raised from the grave and someday I will too. It's easy to just kind of like fluff through that like it's um, old hat or like it's something that we've always known. But I'm here to tell you this morning that the greater majority and growing number of people in the world would say that they do not believe that there's anything that happens once your body decays and is put in the ground. That there's just nothing. That we just disintegrate into nothing. That nature takes its course and kind of takes over and kind of creeps into the coffin and our decaying bodies just turn into nothing. Well, I'm here this morning to remind us that you and I are made in the image of God. That the Imago Dei, the image of God, is present in each and every single human being. All nine billion of us currently and all the billions who have gone before will rise. We were created for something greater than ourselves. We were made for someone greater than ourselves. And one day we will rise and you and I will live forever in eternity. Romans 8, and 24 says this. Paul writes to the church at Romans. We know that the whole creation, even the rocks, the trees, have been groaning together in the, in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, men and women, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption for our bodies. Catch that? The redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Our bodies will be redeemed. Our bodies will come back from the grave one day. In Philippians, elsewhere, Paul says that our citizenship isn't here on earth. If you claim Jesus, your citizenship is in heaven. It's of a different kingdom. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, catch it, transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Ah, do you realize what that means? The truth in this is that because of what Jesus did, coming back from the grave, the power, read Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit that enabled him to subject all things to himself because Jesus conquered the grave, because he defeated the last foe. Oh, death, where is your sting? in other places, that you too are my lowly body, my body that is subject. This is what Paul is saying. My body that is subject to all the things here below. All, oh, all the things. Let's start with age, that we just get old. Stevie Nicks knew. <laughs> Time's getting older. 
Children get old, and I'm getting older too. Age. There's one. How about this one? Sickness. How much sickness that we see in the world that we live in, all introduced by the fall, all introduced by Adam and Eve's first decision to say, no, we can become gods on our own, by our own strength, by our own power. And Paul is writing, a man transformed, a man on fire for Jesus, and he's saying that one day your body in my body, in the most real sense of the word. Heaven is not some fairy tale land that we're all just going to drift away to and sit on some heavenly cloud twiddling our thumbs and playing harps. What Paul is saying here is that in the twinkling of an eye, 1 Corinthians 15, that we will be changed. Our bodies will be transformed to be like his glorious body where all of the things that we are subject to here on earth, sickness, death, poverty, aging, all the things one day will be made right in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can take it to the bank. You can count on it. Your body, my body will be transformed. 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you mystery. Here's Paul. He's getting ready to preach. I'm going to let you in on the goods, Paul says. Here's the goods. We will not fall asleep. You think it's just sleeping, or you just disintegrate, or your body disappears. Mm-mm. You're not going to fall asleep. But you will be... Chi- Some of you parents are saying, I could use a good sleep right now. <laughs> You'd be right. You and me both. A little nap. Eternity, Paul says, is not a nap. But you will be all all changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we all will be changed ah take a breath maybe get a yawn out take a breath okay we good Good? Good? We'll all be changed. Doesn't that produce a hope inside of you? That because Jesus walked out of the grave, you can walk out of the grave too. That it doesn't just end. You don't just take a nap. You don't just fall asleep. But you're reunited with the one who created you. That all of your loved ones that have gone before you and all of the pain and the loss and grief that you've experienced, the Bible says we don't grieve as, as the world grieves, but we grieve with a sense of hope that all of those who have gone before you will one day have their bodies, their lowly bodies, transformed by the power of the resurrected Jesus. That's an eternal hope that you and I carry with us, which begs the second question, wait, what? Living forever starts now? Are you telling me all of this stuff about the resurrected Jesus and Jesus coming out of the grave has some sort of impact in my life right now? I thought that was just fire insurance. I thought that was just for like, so I don't go to hell. This is not what the gospel is. The gospel is not about fire insurance to get you out of hell. The gospel isn't even about making bad people good. The gospel is about changing your life now. 
to bring dead people back to life again. That's what the gospel is, and that's what the gospel is about. If the gospel doesn't change your life, if Jesus doesn't change your life so that you have some sort of meaning in the here and now, is it even the gospel? Does it even matter? Does the eternal hope of uh, the resurrected Jesus and you living forever with Jesus someday even matter if it doesn't matter now? It doesn't. It takes all of the power out of the resurrected Jesus' hands when we say your resurrection and your walking out of the grave has zero impact on my life today. Do you see how that dethrones Jesus? It takes the power out of his hands. All that he suffered on the cross and all that he went through to come up out of death is stripped of its power if we say that his resurrection has no impact on our lives today. No, the resurrection must be expressed in our lives. How do, we, how do we do that? Living forever starts now. Paul says in Philippians that I may know Him. I may know Him in the power of His resurrection in the fellowship of His sufferings. That through all of it, whether you're going through pain, whatever circumstance you face, the resurrection will have impact in your life. And that when we seek to know Him, to behold Jesus, just to behold Jesus, by nature of His power, you will express the resurrected life through what you say and through what you do. If you're constantly... Another way to say that is that, if, that no one can come into contact with Jesus and stay the same. He's that powerful. He's that beautiful. He's that wonderful. His sacrifice at the cross was that complete. His uh, defeating blow to death was that final. That you will express the resurrected life if you claim Jesus as Messiah. Paul in Ephesians, did you, did you know that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside every Christ follower, Ephesians 1, 19 through 20, that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave now resides in your chest. And it's not like the, the force from Star Wars. It's not the Holy Spirit is not some mystical like thing, but the Holy Spirit's a person. That if you claim Jesus, you actually have the Holy Spirit, this person of God living inside of your chest. And that person is the same person who raised Jesus from the dead. That's amazing. And then the person who was raised from the dead earlier said that you will do greater things than these. By your own strength? By your own power? No. By the helper that Jesus sent. He'll plop him in your heart. And the Holy Spirit lives and overflows in your life. Whether you choose to take care of those at, at food pantry, at Seeds of Hope, as, as worship to God and packing some groceries, whether you help a little old lady across the street, whether you sit down to coffee with somebody who just needs a listening ear who's going through a tough time, whether you bring dinner to a family who's just um, had a new baby and you cook out of love and bring them a dinner, you're expressing the resurrected life through that. Whether you pray for somebody for healing, that God would intervene 
and heal them, and you see the resurrected life enacted there, and that person's headaches go away. We just saw it the other night at, at the All City Vineyard Conference while we were praying for folks. We saw back pain go away. We saw headaches healed. Jesus? Is that you calling? Hello? Uh, whatever it may be, living forever, the resurrected life starts now. And that very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of your chest. That's a hope that's not even, um, that's a hope that's big enough, not just for you, but for the whole world. And that's the third question this morning as we close. Wait, wait, what? Wait, I carry forever for the sake of others? Are you telling me, wait a second, are you telling me, I sound like a used car, I'm not a used car salesman, <laughs> trying to get you into the resurrected life today. <laughs> not what we're about. <laughs> wait, what? I carry forever for the sake of others. For the sake of others. John eleven fifteen. Jesus is at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and he says that he's overcome. We read that Jesus wept over the death of his friend. He, he wept out of frustration uh, of this, this uh, reality that men and women are born, men and women pay taxes, and men and women die. And Jesus was fed up with it, quite frankly. He was fed up with death. And so we read in John eleven thirty five 35 that Jesus wept as he walked towards the tomb of his friend who he loved, Jesus raises the dead out of what? Frustration? A little bit, but mainly out of love. Jesus raises the dead out of love. His deep love for you and for me. And then he says this to the onlookers. About raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. This is so key. He says this, And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. He waited two days. Once he heard that his friend Lazarus was dead and he waited two days before he went to go see his tomb. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. There is this belief in Jewish thought and theology even that when a, a Jewish person died in those times that their spirit would kind of like hover in the room for like three days. And so there'd be mourning going on. And, and a lot of that was medically due to the resources that were available to them at the time. Sometimes people they would think were dead would pop back to life in like a day. Because they, and we know, they weren't really dead. It's like the princess bride. He's mostly dead. <laughs> He's only mostly dead. And so they would think, in, in, the, in their way of thinking, three days passes, this person hasn't popped to their feet, let's call it. Jesus says in John 11, I, I heard my friend Lazarus has died, and he stays put for two days. Jesus in this is demonstrating his power over even death 
itself. And when he finally gets there, Lazarus is not just mostly dead. He's all the way dead. And Jesus weeps out of frustration with this thing of death. And out of deep love for his friend Lazarus, Lazarus approaches the tomb as he approaches the tombs of all of our lives. And he says to his friend, and he says to us this morning, come forth. Get out of there. And he foreshadows his own death on the cross. Get this. And his own resurrection from the grave right here in verse, where is it? In in verse 15. Why does he do it like this? Why does he do it like this? For your sake. So that you would believe. Believe what? Believe what? That Jesus has the power to raise the dead? They'd seen him do it already. They knew he had the power. Believe what? Believe that he, too, would one day raise from the dead. He doesn't just have power to raise the dead. He is the power to come out of the grave. Not just for his friend Lazarus, and not just for himself, but for every single human being. So we as Christ followers, here's the connection. Wait, what? I carry forever for the sake of others? We as Christ followers walk in the same procession. That you not only carry resurrected life in yourself, within yourself, but you carry it for your coworker who's struggling with a headache. You carry it for your brother who doesn't believe in Jesus yet. You carry it for your, uh, for, your, for your classmates at school. You carry it for your co-workers. You carry it for all of those who don't yet believe that Jesus is the resurrected Messiah. You carry it for the world. We'll read about it here during Advent. When we come up on Christmas, Jesus is quoting Isaiah and the prophecy about himself. And he says in Matthew 4.16, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And where light is, darkness can't be. Light exposes the darkness to itself and flees, if you will. So everywhere you go, every step that you take, you carry resurrection power, you carry resurrection hope, and you carry resurrection life with you so that every situation, even though it might not look like it, wait a second, if, uh, man, I got to get out of here, you guys, but like, even though it doesn't look like it, even though our world doesn't look like it, I mean, we just got to say it, right? My relationship is a mess. There's poverty in the world. Kids are being trafficked all over the world for sex. Spouses are being abused. Substances are being abused. Fentanyl is taking lives. 
You're, tr- you're trying to tell me that resurrection life is happening now? How, how are you going to look out in the world and say that every Christian walks in the power of a resurrected life? When I see all of this junk that's going on, hey, I'm with you. I'm leveling with you. The fact that you see it and that you know that something's just quite not right with the world or frankly evil happening in the world is a testament that resurrection life is bubbling up within you. And so my challenge for us today is that we would be the light, that we'd actually be who we claim to be in following Jesus and having resurrection power within inside of us. That that power inside of you is meant for a purpose, for the sake of others. That we would see um, human trafficking end in our day. That the kingdom would come and you're at, your, at your school, at your workplace, in your parenting, with your spouse, in feeding the hungry, in clothing the naked. That we would see resurrection power come, but it won't come until we say, yes, oh, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Man, I got preaching again. All I want to do is share some scriptures. Why don't you join me in standing? That's our hope. That's our hope, guys. That we would be a people of the resurrection. That we'd offer this treasure to others, not just with our words, but with our lives. It's one thing to stand up here before you and and to point the finger without realizing that there's three pointing back at myself. I'm right there with you guys. And Jesus is in the boat with you. He sees the turmoil in your life. He sees the chaos in our world. And He wants to. He desires to. Even more than I want to. To be resurrection power inside of us. Expressing that resurrection life to the world around us.